Good morning, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay, and I'll, I'll be uh, hosting our presentation this morning. Today, of course, is Sunday, March 12, 2023. And let me give you the share ID numbers for Friday, March 10th, uh, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. That number is 20,040. That's 20040. And the 10 a.m. meeting for Friday, 20,041. That's 20041. This morning, A Vision for You presents <clears throat> Reverse Direction from Me to We. Um, our speaker this morning is going to focus on the we aspects of the program. And she's going to reference, uh, her primary reference will be Chapter 11, A Vision for You, also the, the we in fellowship and working with others. Now, <clears throat> here comes the Jeopardy question da, 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 for you Jeopardy fans, for our OA friends here. The category is words that start with the letter A. Here's the question. By the way, I'll answer the question, right? <laughs> the one way you cannot recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Looking for an A word. And the answer, what is alone? <laughs> what is alone? You know, on page 152, I know, so goofy, right? On page 152 in the big book in the chapter entitled A Vision for You, I know Judith is going to um, is going to probably talk about some of this. But we're reminded about our connectedness to others, right? Uh, one of the things it says is that it says that we will be bound to them, you know, to, to us, to our fellows with a new and wonderful ties, with new and wonderful ties. For you will escape disaster together and you will commence shoulder to shoulder. I'm hearing one of our fellows, shoulder to shoulder, your common journey, right? So we, we can't do this alone. We do this together. And, you know, I was thinking that many of us, we, we, we come into these rooms, we're wounded, we're wounded ducks. I'm looking at the ducks outside my window here, but they're not wounded. But we were wounded ducks, right? And, and we come in largely alienated from others, uh, even with others in our midst, um, perhaps emotionally disconnected from those around us. Uh, this disease flattens us, and, and some of us feel that we can't trust others. Um, we've had our traumas. Uh, we can be, well, we can be plagued by a sense of self-loathing. I know that was the case for me. Um, or, uh, or, and or baffled by our inability to stop compulsively overeating, we may be still filled with, with a, you know, a great degree of self-determination to get this done, to solve this by ourselves alone, right? The one way we'll find out we can't do this. And, you know, it makes sense to us too because, you know, we, we have lots of experiences in our lives where we've achieved great things within our families you know, within our communities at work, all these things. And we're, we're not lazy, generally. I mean, I've got some laziness in me, but generally we're not lazy, we're, nor are we lacking motivation, right? So we, we arrive here with a myriad of life experiences. We arrive here with our own perceptions on the narrative of our lives thus far. You know, we're, we're certain that we can find a way out by ourselves alone, um, oftentimes, or, or just as erroneous, just as crazy was my thinking that, you know, knowing that I needed help from others, but unwilling to be vulnerable enough to tap into the human connect, you know, connections that God would use 
as the healing glue, right? Kind of a healing glue towards a relationship with this power greater than us. So in other words, you know, it seems that, that I've heard it said God uses wounded people who have been restored to sanity to lift up what? To lift up other wounded people who are seeking that same level of restoration. And, and the big book even reminds us in the forward to the first edition of the importance of we. And again, I don't know what Judith will, you know, we may be, I may be <laughs> on some of the things she's touched, she's going to touch on, who knows, but that's okay. I like repetition. It says in that forward, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are many thousands of men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And then to show other alcoholics precisely, they're not going to be vague, precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. So while a relationship with a higher power is, is ultimately going to be the foundation of my recovery, well, relationship with others is going to be the bedrock of sustainable recovery. I, I can't do this myself. But we together can do this together, right? And on page 14 and 15, Bill writes, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through what? Through work and self-sacrifice for others. A big we thing there, right? He could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. And with us, it is just like that. So, you see, if I continue to act out with selfish, self-centered, ego-driven behaviors, I'm going to continue to experience the symptoms of the spiritual malady. I might be abstinent, I might be dry, but I'm going to continue to experience that this inward unmanageability without you all alone. And eventually, my mind is going to seek out a sense of ease and comfort. That's what the big book tells me. That's what they prophesy. You know, that comfort it thinks it can receive from taking a drink, taking a bite. Or my ego can deceive me into thinking I'm doing perfectly fine. And I remember Fred's story in Chapter 3. Fred drank when there wasn't a cloud on the horizon. So, before I hand it off to, back to Judith here, or to Judith, there can be no I for me as the basis of my recovery from this spiritual malady. It must be a we proposition. So joining us this morning to share her experience, strength, and hope in finding a power greater than herself is Judith S.P. We hear Judith on the line. I love hearing her. She's from Maryland. She's a dedicated member of Overeaters Anonymous. She's devoted to the practice. I think she's like me. The imperfect practice, right, Judith, of these steps, the, the practice and the teaching of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. So with that, please join me in welcoming Judith S.P. from Maryland to the line this morning. Judith, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you very much uh, for that introduction. And there will be some repetition, which is beautiful reading the big book over and over again and over and over again repetition is a glorious experience so i thank you all again i'm judith sp from maryland originally from new york brooklyn that is um grateful to be here 
as often, a little bit nervous. I'm not sure if my notes will be in order, nor um, the pictures I took of the big book pages, because I don't have AirPods. So uh, technically not too advanced, but spiritually, although a beginner, so, so grateful, so, so grateful. And I'd like to start with a short prayer, which is thank you, God. And I don't know. God, you know all and are running this show. May this time with my fellows, your fellows, and this offering bring to light my heart and soul felt appreciation for you and this OA fellowship. For honestly and truly, this has saved my life. Amen. Um, I'm just going to briefly uh, give you a, a back uh, statement on my topic for today. And then I'll go into a qualifier of my life before and when I came in the rooms and the process of where I am today in reference to different parts of the big book. <clears throat> I thought it would be uh, chapters 11 and 7. It's somewhat more all over the place. Um, the theme of my share, as Larry mentioned, is reverse directions from me to we. Um, and I will go into more detail about that. Um, the pur for purposes of this share, I will just say that we encompasses God, the fellowship, wrapping around the eye to melt away the ego, <clears throat> excuse me, and bringing me into the we, which is where I've always longed to be. And, and and now, on a moment-to-moment, -moment, day to day basis, when I keep consciously connected in companionship to my higher power and take the actions of the day, I can say I am living in the we, which is glorious. I was born, as I said, in Brooklyn, New York, many, many years ago, more than three-quarters of a century, and thank God. For that, and hopefully I'll be here for the complete century. Um, I grew up, <clears throat> excuse me, in a neighborhood in Brooklyn that was very encased in just our people, so to speak. It was a Jewish neighborhood, um, and uh, I think there were some wonderful benefits to growing up in Brooklyn in the area that I did. Externally, things were fine. Um, neighborhood was fine. I don't even know if there was ever any crime or anything. I grew up in a family with a mother and a father, an older brother, and my grandmother came to live with us for, uh, when I was about seven. And when I was about two or three, I think, uh, my mother went back to teaching school, and I was in the care of a caretaker. And as I was preparing for my share today, uh, the words came to me, benign neglect. And uh, 
thank you, God, again, there was no physical, mental, sexual, well, mental and emotional abuse, but no physical nor sexual abuse from anybody uh, either close or, or far away from the family. But the definition that I resonate with for benign neglect is a parent or a caretaker who chooses to ignore the child's needs instead of taking responsibility for them. And I, and I believe that's what happened. There were no tests when I was born, such as if you have some, an anomaly or heart issues as a newborn or whatever test they could give if you don't look quite right. There was no test, I don't even think there is today, to identify if I was a compulsive eater. Um, so I don't, I can't attest when my compulsive eating, uh, well, I can, I can say when I think it came, but I really can't say that I was born with it. I don't know. I think I was born just a, a normal little being. Um, but when I was put in the uh, arms of the caretaker, I think that's when my mother in particular relinquished primary responsibility uh, for me, uh, not in terms of the survival needs, but in terms of the emotional and the guidance that that one hopes a child gets from their parents. Um, in any event, um, I was pretty lonely. My brother was six and a half years older than I not really around, and my roommate, my actual sibling, was my elderly grandmother. So there wasn't much active life and joy and happiness in the home. I saw and experienced it on the streets when we were out playing, when I'd visit other friends, um, but at home there was very little to any love, connection, um, in an internal way. There was externally. I was dressed well. Um, we went to all the different celebrations with family. <clears throat> um, you know, I went to school. I had some issues, not, not any more or any less than a normal kid. Um, but food became my go-to. That was my source of comfort and protection and just filling me up, filling me up so that I could feel something in terms of love and security. So placing love and security and comfort and ease in the hands of all these different sugary and salty snacks and cakes and so forth and so on. I'm not going to go into the litany of the amazing variety of things I ate, but it all filled me up. And uh, I didn't know if it was normal or not because I didn't take inventory. I always thought the people outside of my family had it together. My other friends did, family members, fellow students at school. Um, everybody had it good except me. And I spent a lot of time in my childhood and growing up, even, even now it happens, that I fantasize 
I kind of go off into dreamland or would more so as a child and think I was part of something um, other than what was going on in my home. Um, my high school, my school years were okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into much of that. I left home to go off to college when I was 16 and a half. I have no real conscious awareness of being in college. Uh, I guess I learned something because I got a degree, but I have no real memory other than um, feeling pretty unhappy. Um, my formative years as a young adult were uh, basically trying to look for and search. Search for something I didn't even know what I was looking for. So it's hard to find something when I don't know what I'm looking for. But I knew, I knew there was something terribly wrong. I kept eating. My weight didn't go off the charts, but I always felt heavy. My mother did die of this disease at 63, and uh, I could go on a whole story about that, which I won't. And my father was probably, and I'll probably do more in depth at some point, was a functional alcoholic, and he really was the only source of consistent love when he was around and available. So I spent a lot of time eating. I got into drugs. I got into drinking, kind of, sort of, not really, but I did it just because of the effect periodically. Um, I was able to get a job in New York after college because I dropped out of graduate school, somewhat like Bill when, when he was um, in law school and he dropped out. I didn't drop out because I was drunk on alcohol, but I think I drunk de- dropped out because I was drunk on food and depression and that search, that search for something. And uh, I went off to California, thought the hippie life would be the good life and uh, still searching. And it didn't work out. I ended up having a major nervous breakdown when I was 29. My mother died shortly after that. I was hospitalized in a psychiatric hospital in Maryland, and this is where I've been uh, since. Visits back to New York, but claiming and, and feeling very grateful that Maryland is my home. I love it. It's beautiful, and it's just the right amount of, of sort of the energy of, of what I grew up with without the craziness. And so here I am. Um, I've spent a lot of time in uh, different therapies, going off to retreats, still searching, trying to find what I was going to do to feel happy, complete, and really wanting to be grateful because I knew I had so many blessings, but I couldn't see them because the shades were pulled down. And I didn't realize that there was sunlight that God was always with me, but I didn't know it. I wasn't guided to turn to God, to turn to some things if my family was not able to give me what I needed. Um, 
And so after many, many years of trying to do lots of different things, in 2012, a couple of my kids were involved in drugs, and I found another fellowship, worked the program, found, wow, this this is really helping. And after I went through the 12 steps in that program and uh, was recovered, um, I realized there was an elephant in the room. And when I looked at myself pretty clearly, because I was still searching, I realized, Judith, you need to look at why you night eat, why you eat after you eat, why you're always looking for food, why you're rarely eating what you really want to in front of other people. Uh, You know, food is crazy. Getting up in the morning and seeing the crumbs in the bed, feeling terrible and, and humiliated. Oh, my God, why did I do it again? I did try many of the diets, including the pay and weigh and so forth and so on. And I did lose weight, and as often I've heard, gained it right back because it was all superficial. And so in 2014, I can't even recall because my memory is still just coming back to me. I came into the rooms of OA, in-person meetings. I really liked the people. Um, I felt comfortable. And I did work the big book, 12 steps within a short period of time, but I can't remember um, what happened other than the fact I know I did it, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get a spiritual awakening because I was using it as sort of a school book. Um, I didn't really know the depth and weight of what this book was offering. Um, I didn't sponsor. I didn't reach out to people during and after meetings, although I did socialize and, and did develop some nice friendships. Um, and, uh, in 2021, I was at my wit's end because although I knew about spirituality, experienced little, little tidbits of it, I was still miserable and searching. I was not a very good mother. I was not a very good partner wife to my husband. I would be wonderful in terms of being a personality in my outside life, but Uh, I think I heard someone say in a meeting recently, if you want to know if I'm truly recovered, ask my family. Um, And if you ask my family between 2014 and 21, uh, you wouldn't have gotten any uh, real uh, light bulbs of, oh, yeah, she's doing well. Um, I was emotionally abusive. I was selfish. Uh, my needs were most important. So I was that benign, neglectful parent to my children. In any event, I came into the rooms clearly and openly desperate spiritually. I didn't have too much weight physically to use, lose, but I did have about four or 500 pounds of spiritual deprivation and near death. I was I was at the point where uh, either something was going to change or I would just keep rolling along until my number was up. 
Uh, I found a wonderful sponsor, woke the steps, became awakened, um, and life has been amazingly improving moment by moment. And uh, I will contribute that to God, to this fellowship, and the most welcoming two letters that I was searching for, which is we, W-E. I am never alone unless I choose to be alone in my life now. It is up to me. I, Judith, have to take the first step. I have to decide to take action. Nobody is going to do it for me. There's no uh, angel on a white horse that's going to come and swoop me up and say, I've got you, babe and take me off into wherever, whatever, because I'm living on this earth in a heavenly way, because I now know that what I was searching for has always been inside of me and all around me, but I just didn't have the desperation and the pain and the wounds to realize it isn't up to me. And so here I am, and now we'll shift a little bit to um, refer to the beauty of what I've gained from this fellowship, specifically through the big book. A little tidbit, and if someone wants to fact find on this and give me the Pinocchio noses, I'm I'm okay with that. I read somewhere that uh, the approximate number of times we is stated in the big book between pages 1 through 164 is approximately 1,102 times. And as Larry referenced in the first edition, the first word we see is we. And the first word in the doctor's opinion is we. And there are many, many, many other places where we is is described both in sentences and standing almost on their own. And to me, when I feel and connect to the we, I feel such comfort and peace and completeness inside of me. Um, it is describable. I've just done that. I'd like to refer for a moment to page 14 when Bill is in the hospital, uh, he lay in the hospital. The thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been solely been so freely given me. And I, I was struck when I was reading this. The thought came to him, and those thoughts come to me and those are inspiration from God's God he doesn't describe it as that but that's how I um, associate it that the thought came to him in the hospital that they were others suffering as he was suffering suffering and my friend emphasized the absolute necessity the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs step 12 But the key in for me here is my friend emphasized, my friend and I are we. 
having one person connect with another, as I've learned, is when the first meeting happened in AA, was when Dr. Uh, Dr. Bob was connected with Bill and developed his spiritual connection by Bill sharing how he recovered. It's the we that gets us to feel that we're never alone and we can get over or get through to recovery of this deadly disease. But it goes on to say, particularly, and this is at the bottom of page 14, particularly was it imperative. Imperative means fully necessary to work with others as he had been worked with. How can I, Judith, just be given all I was given by my sponsor, this fellowship in God, and then go on my merry way? What I was given, I have to pass on, not in a gun to my head, have to, but in the beauty and the gratitude for having been given what I want. Yes, it might be inconvenient. Yes, it might be uncomfortable. Yes, I might have had other things I wanted to do. So what? They can happen in their time. This is God's call to me to be of service to others. And faith without works is dead. If I do not work, if I do not take this into my own life day to day and having loving respect for myself as God has for me and offer it to others, I might as well just go back into the boxes and the bags. For if an alcoholic, an overeater, failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. Yes, life has bumps, life has challenges, but I can handle them now, and I can turn to fellows and stay with God so I can work through the challenges. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank again, he would surely die then faith would be dead indeed. And with us, it is just like that. I can keep my abstinence and I can continue to strengthen my spiritual fitness by doing God's will every day, by knowing I have a family of fellowship who understands like nobody else understands. And I can reach out my hand and heart to those that are still suffering who have either not found their way yet or are beginning this journey or repeating the journey. This is God's will for me and I am truly dedicated to doing this for as long as God gives me breath. And I go to page 25 when uh, there is a solution. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, 
of which we had not ever dreamed. And so through working the steps every day and doing God's will through continuing my spiritual awakening and awareness, I am now living in the fourth dimension. I get pulled back into the third dimension when I get into my materialistic thinking and time frames and schedules and to-dos, and I have to go from one thing to the next to the next, never taking pause, forgetting about breath, and just going on self-will. But thank God, thank God, and this fellowship and this book and the gifts that God gives me so often that I can redirect myself and move from the me, 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 the self-will of Judith, to the we, we, we of God's will, this fellowship, and all the people that I come across on any given day, practicing these principles in all my affairs, can only come and be strengthened by working with others and doing the work that I need to do on a daily basis. On page 77, at the top it says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. The we, God, the fellowship, all those in my life is what my purpose is. And that's how I embrace and keep connected moment to moment to what my purpose is and the searching and the search parties of my own life are now over. I don't have to search anymore. What I have to do is take action and trust that even though I may not feel like it, that's exactly when I have to go forward and do God's will. Um, one second. I believe it's on page 89, working with others, where life will take on a new meaning, and it has for me. As I said at the beginning in my prayer, my life has been saved. Life now takes on a new meaning. And it takes on a new meaning because I feel so healthy and so energetic. I have never felt this way in my life. It appears to me that the older I get, the better and the healthier I get. Um, But here's such a beautiful thing. To watch people recover, to to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not want to miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is this bright spot of our lives. It is amazing. I heard in a meeting someone said yesterday, reading the big book and being in the big book 
and being in fellowship is better than any Netflix or any YouTube or any sensational TikTok-y thing on the internet. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience I did not have to miss because God brought me into these rooms and I was open and desperate enough to take what was offered to me and run with it, literally and figuratively, into action. Okay. Um, I believe, and I apologize if I'm wrong, I have a little bit on my iPad of the pages of the big book, which I'm holding my phone. I believe it's page 152. Um, uh, In uh, the middle of the page, They're talking, we have shown how we got out from under. He said, yes, I'm willing, but am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum? Like some righteous people I see, I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Boring and glum? Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship, and so will you. How is it that to come about, you ask? Where am I to find these people? And for me, you're all here. All I have to do is reach out. Meetings, anytime, anywhere. Over 11,000 people, fellows that I could turn to on a list. I can pick up the phone. I make contacts. People reach out to me. How is this to come about? Where will I find these people? They're all around me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Vision for You, for all this wonder. And I believe... Page 161, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals, clearing up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, explaining the disinherited son to his irate parents, lending money and securing jobs for each other when justified. These are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially if he means business. Social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, these are laughed out of countenance. 
being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one, one God with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? This describes to me how I lived in three dimensions. I lived in physical, <clears throat> which was a mess, mental, which was twisted and crazy, and emotionally off the rails. I could not be of service to anybody, nor myself, nor my maker, because I lived in the materialistic, concrete boots on the ground, my way or the highway. You don't notice me, I'll scream and yell. I'll do something bizarre, so you'll have to attend to me. I need to be seen. I need to find my way. It didn't work. It never did, and it never would for me. And I thank you, God, again. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not getting the page right. I apologize, but it's towards the end. Um, where they're talking about there are we are able to there are the same fast friendships. There is that same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. There is good there is a good bit of travel between East and West and we foresee a great increase in this helpful exchange. Um, and then on page 163, we know that you are thinking, you are saying to yourself, I'm jittery and alone. I can't, I couldn't do that. But you can. You forget that you have just now tapped into a source of power much greater than yourself to duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. And I will tell you, as, as the time got closer to do this share today, I said, I can't do this. I was more than jittery. I felt alone. I can't do this. How can I speak and share on a vision for you? What do I have to offer? And then I calmed down and I realized it is no longer I, Judith, it's we. I am no longer alone. God is with me. Fellows are with me. And I don't have to do this on my own. And I was able to relax and take it, take it easy and not struggle. I put together a tentative framework for my share and as you can see, I'm a little bit all over the place with papers and iPad photos helping me along. But it's all okay because I'm accepting that God is in charge and I am just doing God's work the best I can for today. And so I will come to some conclusion on page 164. Still you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you. 
who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. No longer craving food, no longer craving self-pity or dishonest attention, but craving fellowship. God will give me what I need because I am his child and he created me. And now that I'm living in the sunlight of the spirit, I can offer through God's grace to others what I have because it was so freely given to me and I can now give to others. My dependence is on God. My connections with people, the blessings, the gratitudes in my life are here for the taking. But I will leave them when I leave this earth and I will know that I have done all I could do to live my purpose and be the best, best Judith in fellowship that I can be. And I did reverse. It was reversed through God's grace. I went in the reverse direction from me to we. And that is where I will live every day of my life until, as I said, God takes my breath and offers it to the next being coming into this universe. And as I close, I just want to remind myself and, and emphasize that the 12 steps are an offering of we and God and fellowship. And taking these steps, once I became abstinent and realized that the foods that I were ingesting were taking me further and further and further and further away from God. And now I eat nutritionally, medicinally, and because my meals taste good. They are here to help this body that God created. And now I see as a temple and also a vehicle that takes me around this universe that it has been entrusted to me, but more so my spiritual awakening and fitness is getting stronger and stronger. And I hope that what I've shared today, even in a morsel, has touched one person. But this is the most glorious opportunity that I have ever been offered. And thank you, God, that I have taken this experience and repeat it over and over in new and glorious ways, one day at a time. And with that, I'm going to pass and uh, turn it back to Larry. And I want to say thank you all for listening. And uh, I am truly grateful. Thank you, Larry. Oh, thank you, Judith. Uh, well, you asked if one person well, I'm that one person that you helped this morning, and I have a feeling there's quite a few more. So thank you for your straightforward, beautiful message. It was beautiful in its simplicity, and uh, that's what this program is. So thank you for your generous uh, commitment to our our, uh, our recovery this morning. 
So now we're going to take, well, let me give you the share ID. I'll do that again later, but just I'm going to get it out there. The share ID for Judith's uh, presentation this morning on Sunday is 20,045. That's 20045. If you'd like to hear Judith um, later, pass it along. So let's go ahead now and transition to pose some questions for Judith SP from Maryland. And what I'm going to ask for is your first name. You can unmute by pressing star one. I'm going to ask you for your first name and last initial, perhaps where you're calling from. And let's go ahead and pose some questions uh, for Judith. Ken W. Bonnie L. Bonnie B. Bonnie L. Bonnie. Wendy B. Was that Lindy? Wendy. Oh, Wendy. Wendy. I, I turned that into Lindy. You are now Lindy. Uh, that's Wendy. Who else? Nancy L. Uh, Nancy. I, I picked up a Nancy earlier. I don't know if there are two Nancys. There's there's just I, one Nancy. Just one. There's just one Nancy. Okay. That's what I said. I, I, so far I heard uh, Ken, Bonnie, Nancy, and Wendy. Who else? would like to pose a question for Judith. And we can get Sue you L. get your uh, was that Sue? Yes. Hi Sue. Okay. Thank Anybody you. Anybody else? Sure. Roxanne M. Roxanne. You've heard that before, Roxanne. Okay. We got Roxanne. We can catch you we can catch you uh, around the bend here. So I heard Ken, Bonnie, Nancy, Wendy, Sue, and Roxanne. And if you want to give us your first initial, I know some of them, but I know Ken WH. Hey, Ken, good morning. Why don't you get us started, followed by Bonnie. Ken, press star one. There I am. Uh, there you are. NWH from North Carolina. This is somewhat of an unfair rhetorical type question, but I must ask it. Judith, when are you going to share again? <laughs> when are you going to share a special edition with it? Just fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Ken, for the question. And, uh, May I say that uh, my contact information is available, and I'd be more than happy to do a share with you at any time. Thank you, my fellow. You bet. <laughs> Good question, Ken. Um, so, yeah, Judith, uh, Judith will give her contact information at the end of the recorded portion here. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure she will have that opportunity again. So, okay, Bonnie, it's your turn, followed by Nancy. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, everyone. Um, thanks, Larry, for moderating. And Judith, what a beautiful share. Um, you can add me to that list, too, of people that were blessed this morning by, um, by your transparency and your humility. And, oh, my goodness, it was just beautiful. Um, so here's my question to you. Um, so with regards to, like, I mean, we know this is a program of self-sacrifice, and I am an addict through and through. So when it comes to, like, sponsoring, it's like, okay, how many? Right. And so my question is, you know, logistically, um, how do you find that balance between I'm going to have 10 sponsees because I'm all in or I'm going to have a fewer number and then look at, you know, practicing these principles in all my affairs. 
right? Um, so just the balancing act of what that looks like would be great. And thanks again for everything. I'll pass. Hi, thank you, Bonnie. That's that's a valuable and important question I ask myself. Uh, in, simply, I I spend time with God, and I turn over um, and wait for the inspirations. I'm enthusiastic too. I'd like to, <clears throat> you know, take every puppy from or dog from the rescue and open the gates, and when I see people suffering in inside, inside and outside the rooms, oh, let me just please help. I know because how much I've gotten. But I do realize I'm a human being, and although I have quite a bit of energy, it, it is not, um, you know, ongoing. So uh, I just turn to God, and God helps. And, you know, I start with some people and they're really gung-ho, as, as I know you've heard and we've heard, and they're just not ready. So I also have learned over time that as a sponsor and as a guide, I don't have to do, I don't, I should not do a whole lot of work with my sponsee because it's their recovery. So it's not as much the number of people I'm helping, but more so how I'm expressing my experience, strength, and hope in a way that hopefully is resonating with them. And most of the work is done by the sponsees. And I also want to say that in addition to sponsoring, reaching out to newcomers, as I know many do, or calling someone that you used to know who you haven't heard from and just say hello. Service to me comes in many different forms. And although sponsor-sponsee is sort of the the, uh, bar that's raised, it is in in the moment-to-moment, day-to-day connections with my fellows through guidance of God, that I know what's the right balance for me. As I know what the right balance is for me with the food I eat or the activity I do, when I trust and turn to God as much as I can, I'm going to find that balance. So I hope that helps. Thank you for the question. Yeah, thanks for the question, Bonnie. Okay, next up we have Nancy, followed by Wendy. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Good morning, Mary, and thank you so much, Judith. I share in your enthusiasm. I share in your recovery. And we share the same year of birth. 1948 was a very good year. My question today is that um, you were talking about the things that you want to do. I have a lot of things I want to do but that you lay them aside for another time to pursue your recovery work with others. And so I was just wondering if you could give a quick example of how you didn't do what you wanted to do and it came back to you at a better time. Thank you. Hi, Uh, thank you for the question, Nancy. Um, You know, that's, that's a little bit tricky for me because 
my to-dos, many of the to-dos I have are my own kind of self-thinking direction. I want to do, um, and it's not necessarily selfish. Um, but if I um, if I have someone in program that needs me, or I'm working on something in my own step work and I need to go further into understanding it and reading something or reaching out to somebody, that takes priority. As a quick example, the other day um, I was going to sit down for my meal and I got a text from somebody that um, was I available for a tent. And I paused for a minute and said, okay. Um, and I listened for God. And I waited on, I knew I wasn't going to starve. And I waited on my meal to take this 10 step. Because it worked for me to know that although it was somewhat inconvenient, and it made it somewhat uncomfortable for me that after I paused, I went in the direction of what God wanted me to do. That doesn't mean that at another point, I might text someone and say I'm available in a half hour if I really felt that God was saying, it's time for nutrition, Judith. And also, as an example, this isn't really, this, uh, on Sunday mornings, I coach a running program. And I did let my head director know that I wouldn't be available today. So I put aside an obligation and a commitment. I mean, it wasn't earth shattering like I was doing open heart surgery and I didn't feel like going to work. But I was able to put aside gracefully um, a to-do that I have on my list every Sunday morning so that I could be open and available to this marvelous opportunity to uh, provide the share from my perspective. So uh, I hope that helped. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Nancy. Okay, we have Wendy followed by Sue. You know what Peter Pan said to your namesake, Wendy? He said, one girl is more used than 20 boys. I just remember that. Good morning, Wendy. How are you? That's funny. Thank you. Um, this is Wendy B. Recovered in Arizona. And um, and thank you so much for your share. I, I can hear how recovery, you know, in this fellowship has has changed you and met your deep need to belong and have like-minded fellows to relate to. And um, I'm just wondering how the transparency and, and being really, really present in relationships that we learn in program has changed your relationships with, with the others in your life, you know, who aren't in program. And um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. I wish I did have a Tinkerbell because um, <laughs> I, I do need one all the time. And that is a real work in progress. And uh, I think about um, all the abilities and all the capabilities and strides that I've 
been able to take on and gently encourage myself in program to be more vulnerable. And it is most challenging, particularly in those relationships that are close to me that have been um, wounded, not not purposefully, but have been wounded by uh, my disease, both in action and in thought and in word. Um, I take small steps and... Uh, there are times when I move around my home, for instance, and I come into an interaction with my husband or someone else, and uh, I feel myself recoiling as if I've got to put this armor back on, and it almost feels a little bit by, like Jekyll and Hyde. But I know that God is with me, and... Um, as an example, um, my husband had a brief dis- uh, share with me this morning about something, and uh, he couldn't find an email. And uh, I said, well, just go look. You know, in my mind, I wanted to say to him, why don't you just go and look through your emails? And uh, what I did instead um, is I went to my emails and I pulled it up because he's less technologically savvy than I am, which doesn't say much. Um, And I copied it and forwarded it to him. And I just said to him in passing, I just sent you the email again. And that might sound like a little something, and it was a little something. But for me to be vulnerable and of service to him instead of recoiling because I am realizing, as I expressed earlier, that I think part of uh, the issue for me came from benign neglect. One of the major um, sort of outcomes of benign neglect that I've been reading is lack of ability for intimacy and attachment. And I am pretty old to be uh, practicing attachment. And so I gently have to offer myself opportunities to take it slow. And even if I'm just willing to do differently. So I can build upon sending him that email and potentially doing something else that's going to create a little bit more attachment, interest, and intimacy. And it's just a work in progress, almost like the steps are from step one all the way to 12. So thank you for letting me share that. Great question. Thank you, Wendy. Okay, Sue, it's your turn, followed by Roxanne. Sue, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Excuse me. Good morning, everyone. Judith, (laughs) thank you so much. Um, What a powerful share. Appreciate you sharing your experience, strength, and hope. My question is, you indicated that your relationships with your family are much improved. And I'm wondering if it's not too personal. And if it is, I respect that. But generally speaking, could you give some indication of the amends you made 
with your family as you work through the steps. Thank you so much. And thank you again for this powerful, powerful message. Well, thank you for the question. I'm not exactly sure um, what the question means. Well, here's what I heard, and I, I don't know. I don't want to Shall I speak for Sue. Oh, go ahead, Sue. Did, did she get, did Shall she get I repeat kind of, it? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll, just, go ahead. I'll stick to the question. Judith, you had indicated that your relationships with your family are much improved after working through the program. And if you feel comfortable, could you just share generally about the amends you made with okay. your family members? Okay. Okay, now I understand. Thank you for for helping me understand that. Um, the amends were very important. Um, I had, as I mentioned, been in another fellowship and had done the 12 steps there and similar to to working them in OA, um, I did list the people and made the amends. And my family was on that list and was on this list again. Family, mostly meaning by definition the people in my intimate clan of, you know, immediate husband and kids. Um, and so I had shared with them a number of years ago my part and my sadness and my goal to become improved. Um, however, between that amends and coming into the rooms and working it in 2021, I realized that I didn't really take hold of my actions, my behaviors, and my essence of energy transforming during many of those years. So in part, my amends this go-around um, were in word. Um, I did have one-on-ones with family members, um, but my commitment to myself through God and to my family and this is ongoing every day I make amends through better action and better choices it's one thing to do step nine so that I can do step nine and move into 10 11 and 12 it's another thing to hold in my heart the knowledge, not in a guilt or a punishing self way, that there was major damage done, but to know that my loving support and ability to stay out of their lives and keep working on my life is the greatest amends I can give them. And that's what I focus on more now. Um, in fact, yesterday I got a text from one of my daughters with a YouTube saying, I hope you can be patient, Mom. I'm working on this so much. And she sent me a YouTube about um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And when I looked at the YouTube, I felt like, oh, God, it's all my fault. And then I heard God say, no, it's not big shot. 
Um, but she was able to cue in and let me know maybe a, a little bit of more of gentle backing off will be of help right now. And so my amends going forward is to let her be and love her for who she is now. That's still my amends to her, even though it's not officially in the step order that I did when I did the steps back in uh, 21. So thank you for the question, and I hope I gave you some some helpful information. Thanks, Sue. Okay, we're going to take a question from Roxanne. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll open it up, and if there's more questions, we, we could have time for that. So, Roxanne, good morning. Good morning, Roxanne um, M from Iowa City. Um, my question is related to sponsorship. I'm a brand new sponsor ever in program, so I'm a little nervous. Um, so, thank you so much for your share and the connection with we and you pointed to that with your other sponsor question and the intimacy beautiful i wonder if you can elaborate on this i'm noticing right away that sometimes i want my way in sponsorship versus really connecting with the we and how we become we and supporting the sponsee and thank you so much Hi, Roxanne. Thank you so much, and I'm glad you're sponsoring or going to be. Um, I go back or forward or tumbling, whatever you want to call it, to my connection with God. God gives me the inspirations and direction and guidance to do what I do. When I worked my recovery, my sponsor was the guide, and I had to do all the work on the 12 steps through her suggestions, recommendations, and my accountability to her. Uh, As a sponsor, I have fellows I can turn to if I'm getting too much in my way. I, uh, I, and that's the beauty of sponsorship, and that's what keeps me abstinent and sober, is that I have to continually reflect and respond to what's going on so that I can be of maximum benefit to another. And as I've shared with sponsors of mine who have gone through the ste- 12 steps, and are ready to sponsor, or God willing, are continuing to sponsor. The greatest teacher for me is my own recovery work. And when I go back and reflect and have all the information that I've collected about having gone through the 12 steps with such commitment and desperation... I know, actually... Not even doing the first step. That's why. That's what I'm. Sorry about that. There you go. That's good. That's what I'm going to be offering my sponsees. No more, no less. My experience, strength, and hope. And Judith has to realize this is the other person's recovery. Thank you, God. I am recovered, and this relationship is here. 
to help someone who's suffering, and most importantly, to help me stay in my recovery. So thank you for the question, and I hope there were some uh, words that were helpful to you. Thanks, Roxanne. So uh, we have time for for maybe another couple, three questions. We've paid uh, Judith's recovery insurance up to the top of the hour. So if you have questions for Judith. Pete, who else? Anybody else? Um, this is Kim. I couldn't figure out how to unmute before. Okay. Well, you figured it out now, Kim. You, you can have a question. <laughs> Did I hear that right? <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, yes. Um, okay. okay. Hang so, on. Um, yeah, hang on sure. tight. Hang on tight, Kim. Mm-hmm. Hang on tight. Okay. Anybody else? Maybe one other person. We got Pete followed by Kim. Okay. Well, we'll see where we're at. Uh, let's start with Brother Pete <clears throat> followed by Sister Kim. Hey, Pete. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for your service, and Judith. Thanks so much for your presentation. It had depth and weight, and I really appreciate it. My question is: Can a person be a member of the fellowship and not be in program? Can a person be a member and not be in the program? The only requirement for membership is a desire to, uh, you know, look at compulsive overeating or or, uh, desire. Desire doesn't mean have to. You know, I have many desires. I desire to go to Australia. I'm probably not going to get there, but I can still think about it. Um, and so I guess I would say yes if if this was multiple choice or, or a yes-no question. Um, I think they're missing out because this program is a gift from God to provide moving from survival to thriving for me it has been Um, and also someone might be a member today and has been for the last 10 years but maybe on May 1st 2023 they're going to want to try the program so I think there's fluidity um, and I really can't say what someone can or should be to get the most out of this program. I can only offer them that I, Judith, am a proud, grateful member of this program and this fellowship. And uh, if they want to hear my experience, strength, and hope on that, um, I'm sure happy to share it with them. But, um, you know, if, if somebody... Uh, is somewhat limited at this moment in time on their understanding or interest in the program, there's always hope. And uh, I'll let God hopefully get to them and and lead the way if that's their destiny. Thank you for the question. Um, Yes, uh, Lucy Lane from New York. I'd like to ask a question about sponsorship. Um, I have Elaine, a, uh, hang on, Elaine, hang on, hang on. We'd love to hear you, Elaine. We just, before you go, I'm going to put your name down. We have Kim that came up next, and then I got you, Elaine. 
So after okay, Kim's please. question, we should have time. Thank you thanks. so much. Okay, thanks. Kim, your your turn. Good morning. Hi, uh, it's Kim. I uh, This is actually my first phone bridge, so I don't have a question. I just wanted to say this is wonderful, and I'll wait for the information at the end from Judith. Thank you. Oh, good. Okay. No, we're so glad you're here, Kim. Yeah, we, we, uh, we'll give more information on this. We are special editions. We follow with the questions only. and uh, But I'll, I'll give some more information at the end of the okay. deal here. So Great, with thanks. that, yeah, you bet, you bet. Elaine, okay, uh, we're ready, Elaine, for your question. Oh, yeah, Tissy Wayne from New York. I'm just wondering that uh, she didn't hit on sponsorship too much, but like I wanted to know what she thought about um, – what should you expect out of a sponsor? Okay, I think she did hit on sponsorship a bit, but um, but does that make sense uh, on that, Judith, on uh, on the expectations and so forth? You want to speak to that? Sure, I'll give it a try. <clears throat> well, thank you, Elaine, uh, for the question. Uh, sponsor. To me, when I was looking and and asking God to help me to connect with a sponsor, is as I've heard often uh, from others, is if someone resonates with me on a spiritual level, even though I'm not yet abstinent and and are pretty messed up, and also if they if they are and kind of draw me from how they are as a human being and as um, a spiritually awakened person wanting what they have. Um, And I think it's important to take some time and unless someone is so desperate that they have to have the first, first one to go. And many times the first one or the one reached out to is the right one, but um, to find out and have conversation uh, of what you're looking for, and if you don't know what you're looking for, being patient and hearing what the sponsor has to offer and what their potential parameters or how they were recovered, became recovered, so many times we duplicate within our own way of doing it. you know, that which we've been taught. And uh, seeing this as an opportunity for a transformation. So, um, you know, I would look for someone who has what I want and uh, have conversations and, you know, give myself time to pause and see if I can get inspiration from my higher power. I do that with sponsees as well. You know, I might have someone who I have a conversation with and it's wonderful and that's all we have um, because they and or I feel or are pulled in another direction. But it's almost like going on, on an adventure, a necessary adventure, and beginning to um, figure out along the way what's going to help me get to the point of being transformed and spiritually awakened. So I hope that helps Elaine. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Okay. we got time. Uh, if there's a,
perhaps a couple more questions or so. Uh, by the way, to unmute, you press star one. Star one will unmute you if you have a question. Um, Suri, Hi, Suri. Let's, let's see who else. Anybody else? Jillian from Pennsylvania. Was it Jillian? Did I hear that right? Yeah, Jillian. Okay. Okay. Let's go with that. Uh, maybe one more, if there is one more. Okay. Is anybody there? Can I say? Okay. Oh, yeah. is this Suri? I'm sorry. Did you get Lisa Mary and all? Okay. So <laughs> let me let me put I'll put you down, Lisa. We'll see where we are. Let's start that's with. That's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great, Lisa. Let's start with Suri, followed by Jillian, and then we'll see if we have time for Lisa. And then if everyone else, if you're not Suri C, if you can uh, mute your phone, that'd be great. Hi, Suri. You there, Suri, star one? Sorry about that. Hi, Jensen. No, Thank you so much for your service. Um, so I imagine you've probably worked with a lot of sponsees um, or gotten phone calls. When, when working with sponsees that are grizzled by fear, um, how, what questions do you, um, if you're like sort of working with sponsees to be sponsors, what questions would you suggest that, um, that they look to be asked or as somebody looking or terrified to get a sponsor, um, what questions should I be asking specifically being that I'm literally grappled by the fear of, of recovery even? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, yeah. Okay. What I heard, Suri, uh, Judith, maybe heard the same thing is if someone's fearful, um, you know, it could be trust issues and they just, they're embroiled in fear and they're looking for a sponsor. Is there specific questions perhaps they can ask of a, 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 a sponsor that will help them along the way? That's kind of what I heard. I don't know if you heard something different, Judith. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry, and thank you, Larry. Um, yeah, it, it's scary. And um, I remember when I reached out to my sponsor, you know, part of it was uh, kind of helicoptering around the experience because I didn't know if I would uh, be able to, number one, ask, know if I was making the right decision, what all is going to happen in this experience? So, you know, fear is a feeling. And the only way fear becomes overpowering to me is when I embellish it and act upon it. So acknowledging um, that the fear is is what it is and um, just having the person if possible, give a little bit more information about what the fear is about. The whole issue around trust, for me, as I described earlier about an interaction this morning about sending an email to somebody rather than wanting them to go figure it out themselves, my trust issues are still very dramatic, and it comes from a lifetime of not trusting. 
and wishing and hoping but not being provided or not being given what I need. So, you know, they say the the strength and fear is turning it into faith and having a trust and a willingness and being open and honest. And instead of saying to somebody, oh, why don't be afraid. You know, when, I, when I've heard that a lot, don't be afraid. Just jump into the water. Don't, you know, if someone's afraid, I can and would like to offer my hand so we together can walk down this path and I can share my experience, my fears, how they got transformed and offer the person. And if they are so fearful that there's paralysis, maybe our conversation will at another point give them the the strength to go beyond their fear because there's an amazing experience awaiting them. Uh, so hope that helps, Siri. Yeah, thanks for the question, sir. I'm sure, as with anyone, if you call Judith, I'm sure she can elaborate with people too. Okay, next up is Jillian. Jillian, is that you? Good morning. Yeah, hi, Jillian M. from Pennsylvania. Thank you so much, Judith. Uh, my question is, uh, in the, when you talked about your upbringing, you mentioned um, benign neglect, and I was wondering if you could talk about um, how you have showed up for that child within who was who felt neglected, um, and if you did, you know how you how you did so. Thank you. Thank you, Jillian. Great question. Um, yeah. You know, I read often and hear from fellows and also primarily from God that loving myself is extremely important. Um, having my abstinent meals every day, moving my body in ways that keep it greased and going, um, reaching out to fellows, um, like this morning, I don't see any of you all, um, but I did, you know, just for the record, take a shower, and I got dressed nicely. I put on a very meaningful necklace and earrings and combed my hair, and, uh, you know, I'm with you all, and that's self-care, and that's the parent that well, I mean, my mother did dress me up. I won't I won't uh, say she didn't. You know, my hair was always combed and I had appropriate clothing. But, um, you know, being able to take responsibility for the little girl inside of me now who still lives here, um, she's just gotten a little bit more of this and a little less of that, but... Um, yeah, I just, and in loving myself through God's grace and, and role model um, and, the, and the opportunities of connection with fellows and my family and people that I interact with, that self-love is building up. And the more self-love, self-respect, self-integrity I have, that can be something that I transfer to my relationships with all people, both in and outside the program. 
So thank you for the question. Very, very thought-provoking. Yeah, thanks, Jillian. Okay, Lisa, we'll wrap up with your question. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for your service. Judith, thank you so much. I really appreciated your uh, talk this morning. Quick question. Do you report your food at the end of the day or in the morning or at all? Uh, Thank you for the question. I had been sending it uh, the evening before with gratitudes and service of the day to my sponsor. Um, I just recently found a wonderful sponsor to work the steps again. And I do, again, I hadn't during my hiatus, um, but now I do send my food at night along with my gratitudes and what I've learned of the day, in the day. And I find that most helpful to get it ready the night before and uh, off it goes. And uh, then when I get up, I know exactly where I'm going and what I'm doing, specifically around the food choices. Thank you for the question. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Lisa. And thank you to everyone who posed a question, and most especially Judith S.D. is from Maryland. And thank you, Judith. It was just a a wonderfully generous um, use of your time, and we're so appreciative of your um of your presentation this morning and i'm going to give the uh, share id again the for judith's presentation that share id number is 20,045 that's 20045 and we are going to uh ask judith for her contact contact information um after we close and i am going to close with a reading from page 164 in a chapter that is entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot... Uh, transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great news for us, great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.